Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we get started, are you thinking of creating a podcast or are you a podcast host already? As a podcast strategist, I can help you to launch or relaunch a purposeful and profitable podcast, which will inspire, entertain and educate a global audience. Simply book in a one-to-one call with me right now via the Calendly link in the show notes and together we'll focus on the purpose of your podcast. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by Lauren Chiran. Hello, Lauren. How are you today? I'm great, Amy. Thank you so much. How about you? Yeah, very well. Thank you. I'm looking forward to exploring this. I know we've been talking about your work and how you're going to get the word out to a bigger audience. And this being on here is going to do that. And I'm really excited to share what you have to say. So I'm just going to dive straight in and ask you, what is it that you're doing at the moment, Lauren? So the big part of what I do really is helping make sure that no other woman goes through the negative menopausal experience that I had. So I want to make sure that all women have access to menopause knowledge, education and support, and all employers know how best to support their women going through this part of their life so that they can continue to flourish and stay on their A-game. Now, this is not new news in terms of menopause has not suddenly just arrived. So what is it that happened to for you to have this shift change and to help make a different experience for others because you had a negative experience? Certainly. So I was senior exec in financial services and leading global change programs, which I thoroughly adored doing. I loved the complexity, the challenge, the regulatory and compliance debates that we used to have in terms of, you know, what did the regulators really mean by the things that they pushed out that they wanted us to comply with and being able to break that down into bite-sized chunks for people to deliver. And there were occasions at work where I was starting to notice that my recall and retention wasn't quite quite so sharp. And I noticed that I would forget simple words like plan in a planning meeting or a colleague's name who I'd worked with for over eight years. There were some other incidents as well, and I noticed that I started falling outside the circle of trust of of key members of staff I would work with. Ultimately, I left my job thinking that I had early onset dementia in my early 40s. So when my doctor turned around and said to me, Lauren, you've just been through menopause, I was the happiest menopausal woman in Bristol. And that really set me up for trying to find out what this thing called menopause really was and how I could stop anyone else going through the experience I'd been through and also to help employers. really step up and understand how they can best support people. And why did you jump to dementia before thinking it was menopause? I had no idea that, you know, I didn't really know what menopause was. Like 86% of women, we now know that the majority of women don't know what menopause is, nor how it's going to impact them. My generation certainly was not educated in menopause. It wasn't something that was ever really talked about. And if we wind the clock back to 150 years ago, women went through menopause at 57 and died at 59. So we're in a completely different ballgame now. We're, we're typically going through menopause between 45 to 55. 
with perimenopause leading up to that a few years earlier. And we will then only be halfway through our adult life. So we have a whole other part of our life to, to, to share with others, our skills, knowledge, experience, and really live the fullest life that we want to. So I think, you know, just with that in mind, it's I see menopause now as a badge of honor and something we should celebrate that we do live this long and we do have this opportunity. So I really just want to help people understand what it is and how they can help themselves. And with this big shift change of of the expectancy, life expectancy rate changing significantly so by at least 30 years or so now, will the menopause shift change as well from a biological perspective? Uh, that's such a fascinating question because I work globally and I see this across the, the world. I'm a member of the International Menopause Society. And when I work with different clients and we look at mapping out how they can best support their women, we know that in the West, typically in the UK, someone on average will go through menopause at 51. In the States, we think that's getting closer to 52. And if we go further east, then in the Asian countries, we're noticing that menopause is going to happen somewhere between 47 to 48. So there are cultural differences. We do experience menopause differently. What we also notice is that girls are going through their periods younger. And it's not uncommon in the Western world to find out about girls starting the menstruation around about the ages of eight and nine, which certainly even in my limited 50 odd years of life was not the norm. So there are some significant changes happening. Yeah, I mean, it cast in my mind back and I'm literally in the same age bracket as you, Lauren. I'm think I'm remembering the majority of us. It was anywhere between sort of 13 and 17. And there were a few outliers that happened in primary school, 9, 10, 11 maybe eight at a very push but no I mean it was certainly was not the norm so it's really interesting that we're changing and we're adapting and we're evolving to the environment to the culture to I guess better food and diet or, or not may be the case yeah I think that that could be argued on both sides of the fence depending on your beliefs and where you live so I, I don't I haven't yet really gotten to the bottom of why girls are going through um puberty earlier but certainly with menopause, we know that, um, you know, the better medicine, the better food is, you know, helping us live longer. In terms of the, the nuances of that, I believe there's still quite a lot of research to be done to get us to really understand from an anthropological point of view, what is contributing towards that. We could debate, you know, I think we could debate in terms of the, the climate, the lifestyle, Certainly women are working longer and later into life and holding down jobs that they've never done before. And that in itself means that, you know, if we're going through menopause, if we're going through menstruation for about 37 years, when we get to menopause, we're only halfway through. So we've got another 30, 37 years to live where we've got such an incredibly valuable contribution to make to society. So we really have to start to figure out how we can best look after ourselves, where we can get that help and support. How do we ask for that help and support you know women are not always great at doing that um i would like just quickly caveat when i say women i'm talking about anyone who will go through menopause so whether we're talking about non-binary or you know trans community i think it's really important to recognize it's not just um it's not just uh, what we would ordinarily think of so we've got to be got to be mindful of that as well so two things you just talked about the valuable contribution to society and what I am hearing here is that this is your valuable contribution to society in some respects, that had you known and been prepared for your own menopausal experience, 
you would not potentially be the big advocate that you are to help others to understand. And 86% is a huge number of women who and people who are going through menopause. That is a huge number out there of, of ignorance. Yeah, absolutely. I'd probably still be working in financial services, working every hour that God sends. So, I mean, I'm very grateful for the experience I had. I, I didn't really see the benefits of it at the time. I can certainly, certainly say that for sure. But I am very grateful and I'm absolutely committed to making sure nobody else goes through what I do to, to making sure that women do have access to the right health and support. And we know, for example, that in the UK, our doctors aren't routinely trained on menopause, even though 51% of the population is going to go through it. But then menopause isn't a medical disease. It's a life stage. We wouldn't roll out our pubescent children off to the doctors um, just as a result of them going through, menopause, uh, going through puberty. We, we would expect them to be slightly moody or slam the occasional door or be more emotional. We might expect them to push the boundaries or, or to be expressing themselves in ways that they hadn't done as a younger child. We just don't expect that of our older women. We expect them to conform and to fit into the boxes that we've you know, stereotypically put them in as we, we've lived our lives. So we need to we need to really start to understand what menopause is, understand the different roles of the estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, and learn how to work with our bodies. Learn about what type of lifestyle changes we need to make so that we can fully step into our personal power and boost our vitality. So stepping into personal power and boosting our vitality, what will that mean for anybody who then? has this reframe of the a negative to a positive menopausal experience? I think being prepared is a bit like going back to Girl Guides or the Scouts. You know, let, let's be prepared. Let's actually learn in our late 20s, 30s what menopause is. Let's embrace the fact that when we're having our menstrual cycles, that there are times in the month that we are more focused or more sociable, times we're more reflective and more creative. Recognise that that is driven in a large part by which part of our cycle we're in. And that is underpinned by estrogen and progesterone, typically. If we then get to understand what the hormones do in our body, then as we approach perimenopause, when we go through kind of three to seven years of our hormone levels declining, we can start to think about, okay, I can hear what my body's telling me. I know that I need to lay off, you know, the hardcore exercise or the really sharp deadlines, or I might need to approach my work differently or ask for help and support in a way that I might not have done before. We can adapt and roll with it. We can learn which nutritional habits and choices are going to help boost us, lift our memory, keep our mood up high, keep us focused and confident. Understand how we can keep our, our body strong. All of those things together are really important. And how are we going to, and I say we, because I can see this being a collective effort here, that there are so many different parties involved. So it's not just those who are going through menopause. It's, it's all of those around understanding that that's what's happening but, and not ha making those flippant comments as, as you would, oh, you're just moody, you know, or whatever it could be. And having that derogatory element, but also having that understanding and work around. Yeah, I think that the big uplift in menopause has been the volume of media coverage we've had in the last couple of years. And it was great to, to be on Women's Hour at the end of 2021 to talk about menopause and what we're doing about menopause at work. So having platforms like that opening up and giving us space and time to talk about this as a topic on a regular basis, and they've been doing this for a number of years, 
having a parliamentary inquiry looking at menopause in the workplace, but also looking at menopause. You know, we have a task force looking at what sort of training and education our doctors should have. We now have menopause on the secondary school curriculum in the UK as well. So it's, it is a multi-factorial approach. It is making sure that, you know, everyone's educated at school, that we have support and the cover from our doctors and our workplaces. And I think it's a generational thing. I think that the population coming through now, the younger generations are going to be far less tolerant of some of the throwaway comments. And many of the people making those throwaway comments probably don't even realise how insensitive they're being or how damaging their comments can be. So I think we're going through a massive shift. Well, I, I know we're going through a massive shift just in the uplift of, of organisations I work with now. So you're in the midst of it, Lauren, and so you see it. But if people weren't doing the work you are doing and if they're not involved in working with you, are you, are you a sort of... Lo- how do I describe this? Are you making as big an impact as you would want to do? There's always a bigger impact to be made. I'm really fortunate that I've developed a free three-day program. That is, When I say program, it's really three free lessons. So it's half an hour, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, UK lunchtime. Mondays, we cover off the core facts, definitions, ages and stages. Tuesday, we talk about how you can help yourself and others. And Wednesday, we talk about managing menopause at work. I've taken about 12,000 people through that in the last year and it runs every two months. So it's a great place for people. I want to make sure that money is no object to people getting this information, that they can access the information on a regular basis. They can bring their partners along or their colleagues along or their children. It's open to absolutely everybody. There's no obligation for any further connection after that. But for me, I want to make sure that that course gets out to as many people globally as possible so that people can be educated because with education comes power. With power and knowledge means that they've got choice. And if they've got choice, then they can they can decide how they're going to tackle this phase of life. And share with us, Lauren, how you've taken a particular company through your work and what the effects have been thereafter. Oh, my goodness. It's so exciting because... First of all, I think it's really important to meet a company where they're at on their cultural journey. So I work with so many different organizations now. Traditionally, it was finance and legal because that's my background. But I worked in sports industry. I've worked in third sector and all over. So the key thing really is to help organizations understand the impact menopause is having. So how many people are being impacted directly? How many women have they got between, say, 38 and 58? How many people are managing them or being managed by them? How many people are, um, you know, they living with? So have they got partners or children that might be in the workplace as well? So when you start to look at those stats, typically we'll see about 80 to 85 percent of the population will be directly or indirectly impacted by menopause. Often that stat is much, much higher and near 100 percent. When we've got that, we can then start to track absences. We can start to track the types of reasons people might be off work the exits they've had age 45 to 55 because we know there's a spike in women leaving work age 45 to 55 when we've got those metrics in place we can do general awareness sessions they can be single gender or they can be for everybody we then do line management training and then we run a menopause champions certificate so that we can a bit like mental health first aid we can have specialists in the workplace who can help guide conversations signposts help and support 
they're not there to fix, but they're just there to as a conduit to make sure people get access to the right um, information. And the big thing I do encourage all organisations to do is to set up menopause social events because loneliness and isolation is a massive factor when it comes to menopause. People not knowing that other people are going through exactly the same thing and feeling like they don't want to share it because they don't want to be seen as weak or vulnerable. So that that's equally important. And you, you started off by saying that you want to make sure that nobody goes through what you went through. Cast your mind back to to that that moment where or the moments where you thought you were going through early onset dementia. And then when you found out, you said you were almost ecstatic that it was the menopause. Share with us what, what was going on beforehand. Well, before that, my doctor turned around and said to me, Lauren, if you don't take a break and take some time off, you're going to end up in hospital in a nervous breakdown. And then who's going to look after your son? So what was going on for me before that was shock, fear, complete lack of any thought around how I was going to provide for myself, my son, and a real feeling of being outside the circle of trust with my immediate team at work. Very, very isolated, very, very alone. And having never really been someone who's asked for help and support with anything and you know we've all got we've all got stories we've all got things that have happened in life but I've always felt like there was a way through and this was one time when I genuinely felt very alone so it was a very dark place there were you know there were times when frankly while my son was safely at school I would have thing you know thoughts of actually he's in a safe place so I really need to be here I never acted in any of that and never got that bad. But I do know through research that there's a strong link between mental health issues and there's a spike in women attempting to take their own life age 51. So we've got some research going on looking at menopause and mental health. It's not something to be taken lightly. And I think, unfortunately, I fell into the category of 25% of women who have very severe symptoms. I was lucky that I had the doctor. He picked it up quite quickly. And as soon as, literally as soon as it was identified... I just felt like a whole new person because I had a label and it was, you know, relative to dementia. I was quite happy to take menopause. Thank you very much. And it's interesting that you actually embraced having a label because we we, we do sort of avoid being labeled sometimes. But actually, this one is is one that's going to be facing the majority of us as women going through menopause. Yeah, I think so. I think that. I, as a woman in the workplace, I'd never believed there was anything I couldn't do or couldn't achieve. And I've, I'm on my fourth career now. So I've, I've had you know, a few twists and turns along the way. I've had four different careers, loved all of them, and they've all been very different. So I've never felt like I fitted into a box or a category. I always wanted to be a bit different. Um, but this was something that made me feel too different in, in not too positive a way. So Again, the label thing's interesting, isn't it? Because we don't want to be part of a stereotype, but we want to belong. And I felt like I didn't belong at work, but I couldn't put my finger on it. So as soon as I had that label, I could rationalize that once I could rationalize, I could do something about it. Once I could do something about it, I could feel great again. And I'm curious to find out, did you ever go back to your own workplace and help them to understand and educate them with menopause? Fascinating question. I'm currently talking to them. I've actually privately coached more women from my former workplace than any other organization. 
and you know they have put people forward to me to coach as well so we're in negotiations at the moment about how we might best use what's happened as a really great news story going forward yeah it just it makes perfect sense because you know it's it's accepting responsibility on both sides isn't it you know your responsibility as your individual your body and understanding what's going on but as a company that this is something that is going to be happening to any of their work staff between the 45 and 55 for for those who go through menopause for sure so let's go back again um sort of flitting here and there in in this sort of timeline but you you were talking about the the differences in the stages so we've got the perimenopause and then we've got menopause what comes next postmenopause and that whole timeline could be a span of how many years so perimenopause tends to be 3 to 7 years and postmenopause tends to be slightly in the shorter timeline than that so if you if you look up different research, you'll hear that the whole experience is around about five to six, seven years, or you might read that it's somewhere between two and 15 years. It's highly individual and everybody's own experience of menopause is going to be completely unique to them. So when we talk about the menopausal transition, we talk about everything from peri to post, because menopause itself is literally just the anniversary of your last period. So it's literally only a day. And Therefore, we have to really start to consider that if you become menopausal at 45, you've probably been going through perimenopausal symptoms from your late 30s, and that's totally normal. And there's a big psychological shift that we need to help people make to realise when we talk menopause, menopause means everything from peri to post. It's just a generic term that we use for the entire transition. And because symptoms start impacting a woman or the person going through it in peri, we need to have that support in place by the time they get to perimenopause. So we're really talking about women from that kind of 38 years onwards, unless, of course, they've had medical or surgical reasons that they've gone through menopause earlier. Tell me, Lauren, what, what are people looking for? What are they? What are the sort of uh, I mean, I, there's going to be lots of different signs, aren't there? You're going to say it really depends. But are there any classic signs that people should be looking for, not just for themselves, but for other people in the workplace? Yeah, I think. For women themselves, then they will be in touch to a greater or lesser extent, depending on whether they're on contraception, that their cycle's changing, that their periods are longer in between them, they're heavier or lighter, they're shorter. That's a really good sign. If you're on contraception that's masking that and you don't have a monthly bleed, then you might notice increasing signs of anxiety, mood swings, anxiety, sleep being slightly disturbed, night sweats. These are the kind of classic top five that most women will talk about. Itchy skin, dry skin, nails and hair, um, loss of libido, self-confidence, self-esteem. So joyful, isn't it? Um, thankfully, <laughs> we can do, I want to just interject and say that this is this is why I love my work, because I can help women really stop this from becoming an issue and to take control of it. So the whole point of raising awareness and menopause is really to say that, yes, on if you're not educated, you don't know what's happening and you don't know what to do. These are symptoms that can happen. But with the right help and support, you can really knock this on the head. Um, but it's really important that we we talk about it. <laughs> that sense of feeling, feeling alone and feeling lonely and isolated is something we really need to stop women from having that experience. So when you say knock it on the head, are you saying that literally with the right support and with the right knowledge, you can eliminate all of the symptoms? 
I would never go as far to say we can eliminate all the symptoms and I would not make that kind of disclosure. But I do know from the work I'm doing with my clients that they will tell you that they feel like they've got the sense of self back. They've got their their va-va-voom back. They've got their confidence back, that they're feeling calmer and in control again. And, you know, often, look, I think we, many of us go on a path. We kind of, we have whatever upbringing we have. We make the best of our adulthood. We have our role as an adult in life. And typically I work with working women. Often when they get to 40s and 50s, I'll get a call from someone saying, you know what, I'm not sure this is really what I want to be doing. I'm not sure I want to do this job anymore or this line of work. I'm really ready for a change. And it's almost as if they've never taken their foot off the gas to look back, see where they came from, the journey they've been on and figure out what's next. And I think that hormone disruption can really help people to really figure out that next stage of life and work out how they can best, you know, look at themselves and also contribute back to to wider society. And it's interesting you say that because I would say the majority of my clients who are looking for a life purpose shift change it is at this time of life. It is the midlife beginnings, as I call them. And and I really recognize what you're sharing here, not just for, for women, but also for men and, and for, for others. It's a case of they get to this junction and, and the hormone shift change does give you that opportunity as as you we want to reframe it into an opportunity to to go into something different. So you you spoke about the four different careers you didn't plan this. This wasn't something that you were expecting. As you said, you thought, you, you know, you could have ended up being in the financial services industry, working all the hours that God sends, as you said, but you didn't. It's now this. So what's the mission, Lauren? What's the big picture here? The big picture is for women to be as okay with menopause as they are with periods, to absolutely know how to help themselves and others for all of our medical teams to either know directly how to support someone through menopause or be able to accurately signpost and the same for employers. So not a small mission then? Not at all, but thankfully there's lots of us out there on it. And is it a case of you're collaborating with others, that you've got some kind of of drive here, a bigger mission that you're working with? Yeah, I think, you know, Many of us in this space do come through it because of our personal experiences. That That's a very common bond that we all have, and we've all got different ways of approaching it, which is great because some people are really good at the lobbying side. Some people are really good at doing the menopause at work side. Some people are working globally. Some people are working, you know, we've all got our own thing. You know, often I'll speak to people who are developing products and we'll do collaborations on products to help women going through this or on training I like to make sure my free training gets out there as much as possible because that is clearly available to everybody globally. And I think that's a really great way to help people lift their awareness and understand how to get the right help and support for themselves. So collaboration is key. Speaking out in the media is obviously key. I try and do, you know, whatever media opportunities come along, I think really important to take. We've got some really big programs coming up later this year that are going to be shining light on menopause in the workplace. Um, and obviously we're, we're talking about we're in 2022 now so whenever you're listening to this um, it will be later on in 2022 that, that, that I'm referring to and we're beginning to see menopause in the agenda in other countries now as well so it's happening bit by bit but collaboration is really important we're stronger together and I guess that it hasn't really been an issue uh, I, I raised the point right at the beginning of like 
this is not new to women. Why it's it's not only an issue now is because the workplace is have well has got more women working in it now than ever before, and especially in this age bracket. Yeah, and women age fifty and older are the fastest growing economic economically active group in the UK, and that's reflected across the the US as well. So we're we're growing at a faster rate than men are in that age group. So it's really going to be fascinating to watch the next 10 to 15 years just to see how that balances out you know, leadership roles and, and across the world. And you say leadership roles. Is it also a case of becoming entrepreneurs as well, setting up their own businesses? Sadly, women are still lacking behind men when it comes to entrepreneurship. But I'm definitely seeing so many more women coming through now. And I've, I've been supporting women and business coaching for about 20, 25 years. It's, it's something I've just always done. It's not, not part of my career. It's just something I love doing. I love, I love creating and developing and helping people to do that. So I ha- I'm definitely seeing more women leaving traditional roles and doing their own thing and following their own passion. Um, we do still have a bit of a way to go for women to get funding, for women to set up on their own. And there is definitely some more effort and energy that needs to be put into that as well. So the purpose, it's, it's come to me that it's because I'm not going to say, what is the purpose? Lauren, tell me the, the purpose behind it, your focus on why, what is, what is it now? Really just to, just what I've said in terms of, you know, purposes to make sure no one else goes through what I did and every single woman has access to the right knowledge and the right support so she can step into her personal power, boost her vitality and increase her influence at home and work and beyond. I love that. And it's such a clear and simple message, yet such a big mission to, to, to focus on. Your dark place, now you're not in a dark place. Well, I'd hope that you're not in a dark place. How are you, how are you now? I'm so excited. You know, my team's building. I've got a huge network of health coaches that I work with and trainers. The, it's fun. It's, it's, I, I look forward to every day because I feel like I am living my purpose now. I feel like, you know, my background in psychology and neuroscience and personal training, nutrition, sports therapy, mental health, although they've just all been hobbies and things I've dabbled with over the years, I have worked in those spaces and I'm qualified in those spaces. So actually now to bring them all together, it feels like this was what I was meant to be here to do. And it is it is weird how, isn't it, your your previous worlds do collide at some point mm-hmm. to and you, you you make sense of them with hindsight, of course, these threads have all sort of woven together. And I mean, it's happened. It's also happened for me to sort of see my background of recruitment and and interviewing. And now here I am interviewing all day, everyone, well, not all day, every day, but I, that, that's what I love doing in the podcast space. I did not know that that was to come. You did not know that this was to come, but you're now bringing all of those areas of expertise together to unite and to, to articulate the mission, which is fantastic. Thank you. It's such, I feel really privileged and honored to be able to do what I do. So you, the outside circle of trust that you felt that you were being left out of and that you're now creating your own collaborative circle, your own circle of people who are raising all of this awareness and knowledge and, and providing support. How could people get to speak to you, Lauren? What's the best way for them to reach out to you? Two key ways, really. One is just connect with me on LinkedIn if you're on LinkedIn. And the other way is through the website, which is womenofacertainstage.com. 
Fantastic. Well, I'll make sure they both go in the show notes for anybody who would like to reach out to you. And that could be anyone who is, as you say, uh, someone who may be going through it themselves or may think of somebody who's going through it or maybe a medical professional who would like to have some more information of how to signpost or it could be employers. Lauren, it's been an absolute privilege having you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing why you do what you do. And I know for sure that you are going to be bringing awareness and support to so many people across the world in your work. It's fantastic. Have you got some final words for the audience, please? Please just don't be scared or worried about menopause. The information's there. Go and access it. Make this as easy a life transition as any other. Thank you for listening to Focus on Why with me, Amy Rowlandson. To show your appreciation and to help other listeners understand what value you have received from tuning in today, please leave me an Apple Podcasts five-star review. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the inspiring, uplifting and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, Focus on Why.